Hello and welcome in. We appreciate you joining us for this latest edition of the Frary and Smith podcast. We're excited to talk some Sunbelt football today, but before we do, if you haven't already, make sure to check out last week's episode, which featured an extended sit-down interview with none other than James Madison Athletic Director Jeff Bourne. He talked about JMU's readiness for the jump to the FBS, their big 2022 season, and much more. You're certainly not going to want to miss that. Today on episode 87 of the show, we'll be continuing our position previews ahead of the 2023 season. We moved to the defensive side of the football back in episode 85 when we previewed the league's defensive linemen. On today's episode, we're taking a closer look at the linebackers in the Sun Belt this season. Caden, we had a lot of fun talking about the defensive linemen in the league two episodes ago. Today, though, we'll talk linebackers and looking down our list that we're going to get to in a moment. This group has a ton of star power heading into 2023. Definitely a ton of star power and definitely a ton of tackles. These guys are just tackle monsters. These are guys that you see sideline to sideline, week in and week out, cleaning up the mistakes of some of the guys in front of them, righting some of those wrongs. And I think especially looking at some of the past lists we've done now, looking at some of these guys pair with some other defensive linemen on the same side of the ball. You think about all the running backs we talked about that are great. They're going to have to have someone tackling those guys. So a very important position in the conference and a very deep position at the conference yet again when we're doing these top 10 rankings. Hey, and Carlton Marshall no longer in the league, so that that top linebacker kind of role is up for grabs here. Uh, we might have an idea of who that's going to be in just a moment here. But, well, as we promised, we'll be ranking our top 10 linebackers in the Sun Belt in this episode. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to jump right into today's topic. Well, today we will be ranking the top 10 Sun Belt linebackers, Caden. And I don't feel like number one is a surprise, so let's just jump right in here. Number one, our top linebacker. Looking ahead to 2023 is Jason Henderson from Old Dominion. And Kane, where do we even start on this one? He was named a, a second team All-American by USA Today and Fox Sports last year. He also garnered first team All-Sun Belt honors. He led the country in tackles with 186. And Kane, this stat blew my mind. He had 39 more tackles than the number two tackler, and he hardly played in the final game of the season. He averaged 15 and a half tackles per game this past year. He broke the Sun Belt and ODU records for tackles in a year and was just seven shy of that NCAA record. Caden, he had 10 TFLs on the season, two sacks, but then he had not one, not two, not three, but six, 18 or more tackle games, including 22 against Georgia Southern in late October. Caden, he did all of this as a sophomore, and he'll enter the season with 264 tackles across the first 24 games of his career. Here's what I'm saying, Caden. If he puts up a few more strong years, he could go down as one of the greatest, if not the greatest linebacker in Sunbelt history by the time his career is over. Yeah, this is obviously one of the easier picks out of all of our top 10 lists. And you mentioned a guy like Carlton Marshall, and I think he's he's worth mentioning when you're talking about Jason Henderson now, because I feel like we've become almost numb and so accustomed to the league having a linebacker that can put up that many tackles and do that many numbers. And it's almost it almost feels like with Carlton taking home that defensive player of the year award last year, that the torch is almost being passed down now to Jason to kind of upheld, uphold that standard that's been set in the conference as a at least one guy in the conference being out there having a 15 tackle games and doing amazing things like that. But when you talk about Jason, man, this guy's instincts, his motor, his sideline to sideline, sideline ability, and just his straight up fearlessness at the point of attacks makes him one of the best country, one of the best linebackers in the entire country, not just the conference. I mean, when you talk about 
his value in the run game as a linebacker that just makes all of your wrongs in your front seven if your D lineman's in the wrong gap, if you have a linebacker that's misaligned. He erases all of that with his ability to just play sideline to sideline and get guys on the ground. The motor he plays with as a is really inspiring. As a former safety, I'm sure as, as many other defensive players feel watching Jason play, he's the kind of guy you want to play with. It's really inspiring to watch him play. He's loyal to this team. He could have taken the transfer portal route, obviously, when you look at a guy like Ali Jennings or a Blake Watson who kind of cashed in on that and left the team this year. He wanted to stay here for a reason, and I think it's just really inspiring to have a guy like that on your team. My only worry, I think, with Jason is the same we were kind of worried about last year with him just being able to accumulate these tackles, have these 20-tackle, 18-tackle, 19-tackle dominant performances, but them resulting in losses for this team. So you can hope only that this team gets better and that some of his really great talents that are being displayed can be displayed on an even higher pedestal. But just another worry, too. Every kind of defense is worried about Jason. Every offense, sorry, is worried about Jason Henderson. And he even said towards the end of last season that some teams were doing some different things schematically to kind of get up on him and get blocks on him. But that's a lot easier said than done. He still had really productive numbers throughout the season. And I'm just hoping, like I talked about before, like maybe some of those other guys on that defense around him, if they're giving him extra cont- attention, can maybe have an impact as well. Maybe like um, Sellier, the new defensive coordinator who was just talking about how strong and how much of an impact he has on this team. You just gotta hope that that impact can actually kind of see the light of day and Jason can get the recognition he deserves. So consensus number one linebacker in the league for sure. And hoping that the rest of the team and the rest of the guys on that defense can kind of rally around him being that star on the defense side of the ball. Yeah. Other than maybe Grayson McCall on our quarterback rankings that we did early in the off season, this one was probably the easiest number one pick here. Kane, the big thing for me and Jason Henderson is the human body is not meant to collide with other big humans a ton. And it will be interesting to see as his career continues to go on is he able to continue to play at this high of an elite level, stay healthy throughout his career? I know that at times at the end of your career, you dealt with injuries just after playing the game of football. That tends to happen, but certainly we're rooting for him to have another big season. Maybe he goes after that NCAA record uh, in 2023. Kane, let's move on to number two, and the James Madison Duke fans are going to be happy with us here because Taurus Jones is our number two linebacker heading into 2023. He started All 11 games in JMU's historic 2022 season. He finished the year with 82 tackles, 10 and a half tackles for loss, a sack. He also recorded two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, and an interception. He was everywhere in 2022. He earned third-team All-Sunbelt honors for his exploits. And Caden Jones was a true difference maker in the center of that JMU defense last year. He recorded eight TFLs in league play alone, which was among the league leaders from that linebacking position. Also posted a pair of 13 tackle performances against Arkansas State and Marshall. He's going to anchor that Bryant Haynes defense. And, Caden, he took a huge leap forward in 2022, and I bet my money on him taking another big step forward this year. Yeah, I mean, this list is loaded, but Taurus being this number two guy feels right. And we talked about it before on the Troy episode. If you lead the James Madison defense as well in a certain stat category, if you're leading that defense in tackles with 82, you must be doing something right. And I think that garners a certain level of respect just knowing how good this defense was last year. But you talked about it. This guy's all over the place. He pretty much got a, every stat category. He filled the box. He has fumble recoveries. He has interceptions, turnovers, TFLs. He does it all. And I think his ability to constantly be around the football with his athleticism are the reason he's so high on this list. I mean, this dude's 6'1", 211 pounds. I think he's a little bit bigger than that at the moment, but his size and speed just allow him to play so free. And he kind of reminds me of one of my former teammates, actually, Akeem Davis Gaither, who's on the Bengals right now. Just that body type 
and that frame at the linebacker position that allows you to do a lot of different stuff and really exploit your athleticism. I think similar to Akeem, he can impact the game in a ton of ways. If you want him as a traditional linebacker on the inside, he can do that. If you want an outside linebacker that's a little bit more versatile, that can play the run and the pass. If you want a pass rushing threat on a third down, this guy can do it all. And he just has a knack for being around the ball and causing causing turnovers. I think his combination of size, speed, and length allow him to play inside and outside the box, be effective in the pass game, be effective as a pass rusher. And just his knack for being on the ball, like they talked about before, makes him one of the most versatile weapons in the conference. I'm very curious to see how he's used this year. I think he's another one of those guys that's kind of a defensive coordinator's paradise to where let's maybe put him here, let's put him there, let's put him in some different opportunities and situations to not only help our defense, but maybe help his draft stock as well in film. So as far as what he showed last year and what he could show this year on this defense specifically, super excited about Taurus Jones heading into the season. Yeah, I have to admit, Jason Henderson's our number one linebacker here. But, Caden, if I was uh, picking for my fantasy football roster, Taurus Jones might be that number one overall pick for me at linebacker simply because of what else he brings, the forced fumbles, the interceptions. He's always around the football, as you said. So certainly a well-deserved pick here at number two. We'll move on to number three quickly, and it's uh, Marquez Watson-Trent from Georgia Southern. Caden, he put together the best season of his career last year. He went on to earn second-team All-Sun Belt honors a season ago. He finished that campaign as one of 600-plus tacklers in the league last year. He was third with 114, also had air. That equates to 8.8 tackles per game on the year. Had five-and-a-half TFLs, a sack, along with three quarterback hits. Caden, this is what I love about Marquez. He played in 930 snaps over the course of the season. Extremely durable. He's a guy that's going to be in the center of that defense again this year. Uh, he's going to enter this season as the second leading returning tackler in the league. We already mentioned Jason Henderson. And Caden, uh, this is a big time player. Marquez uh, or Watson Trent was one of the true bright spots on defense a season ago. Uh, now with Brandon Bailey as his defensive coordinator, can he help lead a resurgence for that Georgia Southern defense? That's the question I want answered. Yeah, and this guy definitely deserves her respect. He was, like you mentioned, one of the few bright spots of this Georgia Southern defense that just was not good last year, just to be frank. And their offense being on the field and the style of play they had obviously had an effect too. But he clearly gained the respect of his peers with his second-team all-conference selection last year. And I think when you have 113 tackles and the only people in the conference you're ranked behind are Jason Henderson and Carlton Marshall, if you've heard of those guys, probably doing something right. So I think him just having a few those times. Yeah, just having... Having being in that company and also getting the five and a half tackles for loss, getting a sack, getting some hurries, being an impact player in the pass rush game as well. Definitely a huge upside for this guy. And I think PFF actually had him rated as a first team backer. So he grades out very well. He's a consistent tackler. He rarely misses those tackles and his football cues, IQ super high. He's a big kid. He's not the fastest, but he always seems a step ahead because he knows what's coming mentally. And I think the physical versus mental part of the game is such an interesting part for these defensive players because we have a ton of guys who might be more athletic or less athletic than others, but this guy clearly makes up for it with the mental edge. And we talked about the defensive struggles on this team, and I know that part of that, like I said, is a part of that offensive style, but a lot of their players, when you watch this Georgia Southern team play on defense specifically, they had lapses in focus. They had missed assignments, poor communication, missed tackles, some of the basics. But Watson Trent was not one of those guys. He was the one that was kind of on top of everything. So I'm very curious to see this season, like we talked about with Jason Henderson, can he bring some of those guys along with him? Can they all be as sharp as he is mentally coming in 
series after series, snap after snap. You talked about Brandon Bailey coming in now with this new defensive scheme. I'm sure Marquez is going to pick it up fast. Can the other guys pick it up around him, though, is going to be the question. So excited for him, not as optimistic as some of these other guys we're talking about that are on those elite defensive sides of the ball. This guy's probably going to have production off the roof again, but can that translate to some wins, maybe maybe some close games, some big plays for Georgia Southern and Statesboro this year? Yeah, I mean, we would expect, as we talked about in previous episodes, to see another good Georgia Southern offense, but that defense certainly held them back in some games. I think of a game against South Alabama where, to your point, Marquez Watson-Trent had 16 tackles in that game in a loss to South Alabama. That was the game that LaDamian Webb went off. So certainly will be interesting to pay attention to uh, in Statesboro. Okay, and we move on to number four, and it's the second James Madison Duke in the top five. This one's going to be interesting, Kane. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. But we've got Jalen Walker here at number four. And despite missing a couple of games in 2022, Walker just put up huge numbers in that JMU defense. He garnered honorable mention uh, honors in the Sun Belt last year. 6.3 tackles per game, had three TFLs and a sack over 10 games. Uh, Kane Walker brings such a unique skill set, maybe different than any other linebacker on this list because He can tackle with the best linebackers in the league, but he's also a threat in pass pro where he had three interceptions, five pass breakups a year ago. And Caden, here's what I love about Walker. He ended the year with a bang. The Dukes go out as Kings of the East. He had 10 tackles against number 23, Coastal Carolina, in that 47-7 blowout win to end the year. Caden, if his success from 2022 carries over, he and Jones will be one of the more lethal linebacking units that we've seen in quite some time in the Sun Belt. Yeah, two ta- two JMU linebackers in the top 10 might shock some people, but it truly speaks to how good this defense is and why it's good. They have two uber-athletic guys at linebacker. They play with their hair on fire, and when you pair that with the elite defensive line group that they have in front of them, you get the results that you saw last season, and specifically in that run game as well where they were so dominant. But you mentioned it, three, 63 tackles, three tackles for loss, a sack, three interceptions. This guy was all over the place. His counterpart, Taurus, was kind of doing the same things he was doing just in different ways. And him having just such fantastic ball skills as a linebacker, to me, is what really separates him from other guys. He looked like a defensive back at times last year when you were watching him on film. I mean, two of his interceptions last year were returned for touchdowns. He sniffed out a screen. Great instinctive play against ODU that season. He took a tip ball back from Texas State to the house. And even the one he had against App State, which I was not a fan of in the moment when it happened, it was a huge one that set up their go-ahead touchdown. And he took it to the seven-yard line. He almost scored on that one too. So even when this guy touches the ball on defense, he makes offensive things happen for this team. He's extremely twitchy in both the run and the pass game, which is rare. And he's a very decisive football player because the guys in front of him, the players around him are decisive as well. They're going to shoot their gun. They're going to make their decisions. And when he does it, it's almost more effective than anyone else on this defense, you could argue. He's um, switching to number five this season, and Taurus Jones is switching to number zero. So there's going to be some different looks from these guys, but I expect the same exact results when I watch this JMU defense, which is these linebackers flying around and making plays. Yeah, that's a reason why so many people are so high on this James Madison team heading into the 2023 season. There's certainly some question marks on offense, some new pieces, uh, but defensively, so many talented players back Uh, and Walker is going to be a large portion of that. Kane, well, we're to number five now, and this is where we go with Eli Neal out of uh, Marshall. He was arguably a top five linebacker a season ago. He finished the year uh, with 98 tackles and had the third highest number of tackles during or returning this season. Uh, He suited up in all 13 games last year and created problems for opposing offenses. Uh, He finished the year with a career-high 98 tackles. Those nine-and-a-half TFLs also added three sacks and 
All of that led to him picking up all Sun Belt honorable mention honors. Okay, and here's what's interesting. He's going to enter the season with plenty of experience. He's played in 49 games over the past four years. He's been known for racking up tackles in his career. Had four 10-plus tackle games a season ago. The Herd returned a ton of talent uh, in 2023 on defense, and maybe outside of Owen Porter, you could argue that Neal is the most important piece of Jason Seymour's defense. Yeah, Eli Neal's a special player here. He's a guy who burst onto the scene as a sophomore, started every game in 2020, had 75 tackles in that season, and he hasn't stopped since. I'm pretty sure his tackle total has just gone up and up and up from that and led this elite Marshall defense in tackles last year. The pass breakups were huge for this team. He had three sacks as well, and I think, to me, he's also a great pass rusher when he gets close to that line of scrimmage. He just kind of does it all. He can sit in those A-gaps kind of before the snap, can either drop into coverage or blitz very effectively. He has a tons of sacks and pressures in those scenarios. And we talk about it more and more with these running backs, I think. But this guy is also so great because he's good in between the tackles as a linebacker. He kind of plays in that phone booth well when things get congested in the box, when there's bodies on the ground, when there's linemen left and right. This guy always seems to, to find a way to come through, get a clear picture, get a clear read, and make a tackle and get guys on the ground. So he's always able to shibby and, sh and shake out of blockers, make tackles for this defense. He loses his counterpart, though, Abraham Boplan. I think if he was coming back, maybe that duo would be able to do similar things as the JMU duo. And I think that's kind of why the three and four were just so close for me. But I think he's the clear leader for this team, specifically on that defense that you talked about is absolutely loaded. He's going to have talent in front of him. He's going to talent behind him. He's going to be able to play super free. So if he continues to add on those tackle totals and get better and better, I wouldn't be surprised again. But it's another guy on Marshall who's coming back for their senior season, who's accomplished a lot and now is kind of trying to get this team a championship, kind of has that chip on their shoulder, similar to what we were talking about before with other players on this Marshall defense. So I think there's expect to see a bigger chip on this guy's shoulder, expect to see an even bigger motor out of this guy. And the Marshall defense was already scary. And I think them kind of having that championship on their mind, especially on defense, super motivated, would not want to be in the way of any of these guys this year. And Eli Neal specifically one of those guys. Yeah, there's a lot of hungry guys in that Marshall uh, locker room. They want to compete for a championship this year. And certainly guys like Neal and, and Porter are going to run this defense. Kane, we'll move on to number six, and we've got a Georgia State linebacker checking in here. It's Jordan Venzial, uh, who picked up all Sunbelt honors back in 2021, and then he turned in a fantastic year last year. It was the fifth highest tackle season in Georgia State history. He finished the year with 8.2 tackles per game, which was fifth best in the league uh, a season ago. Also had three fumble recoveries on the year, which was the third most in all of FBS football last season. He will enter this 2023 season, though, Kane, with a lot of tread on his tires, having played 47 games in a Georgia State uniform. Uh, Venzial has 195 tackles to go along with 13 and a half TFLs and six sacks over the last two seasons. Uh, Kane, when Blake Carroll went down with injury, Venzial was the guy for Georgia State. This year, we're expecting to see him paired with a healthy Carroll in 2023, and that grouping uh, could create plenty of havoc for opposing teams' offenses this year. Yeah, it's definitely time to give this guy respect. He's, I think he's been very overlooked and underrated in the conference for a while. You talked about it. He's led this Georgia State team in tackles now for the past two consecutive seasons and has ranked in the top 10 in the conference as well in the past two seasons with tackles as well as high as number four in 2021. So I think this guy 
is making his mark at Georgia State. He's making his mark in those record books. You talked about some of the president he said he's number five in school history and tackles tied for that top spot all time in the fumble recovery. He's getting three of those last year and four in his career. But I think a perfect example of what he can do for a team is kind of just looking at his performance against Army this year. He has 13 tackles, two for fumble recoveries, two pass breakups, helps lead that team to a win, one of their few wins last season. And I think when you look at his career and just him for Georgia State, he's been the model of consistency at that position on that defense for a while now in a group that hasn't really shown that all the time. This linebacker room, like you talked about before, and this defense as a whole has had its fair share of injuries over the years, but not this guy. He's another one of those guys who's had some of his best games in some losses, but he's been there every single time for this team when they've needed him on the defensive end of the ball. So hoping that this Georgia State team can have some better fortune on the injury side this year because I think they did bring some good talent in especially from the transfer portal on the defensive side of the ball. And hopefully Jordan's skill set can be put on display and we can really start giving him the respect he deserves. Because if this guy's on one of these winning teams that we're talking about before, we're definitely talking about him a lot more. But him being at Georgia State, some of that skill and some of that talent we've seen hasn't necessarily been able to shed and see the light of day. So excited for him going into this season for sure and hoping that his teammates on the Georgia State defense can produce the same clip he has been in the past two seasons. Yeah, Kate, and I think you and I are both in agreement that ultimately on these lists, we do value winning and even more so at this linebacker position. And so certainly an opportunity if Georgia State has a good season uh, this year that maybe Venzial uh, gets more of that notoriety. Uh, Kane, let's move on to number seven. And this is the only place on this list that maybe I disagree with you a little bit. I feel like this player could be a little bit higher. I'm going to give you a chance to respond to that in a moment. But uh, we've got JT Killen here, the linebacker out of Coastal Carolina. He's coming off of a season where he was third team all Sunbelt uh, for the first time in his career a year ago. Really took a huge step forward in that fourth season at Coastal Carolina. Uh, he led the team 96 tackles, had six and a half TFLs and two and a half sacks, which were all uh, career highs for him. Kane, this might be your argument here. He's not the flashiest of players, but he certainly has a knack for being around the football. He recorded five or more tackles in 12 of his 13 games, had three 10-plus tackle games last season. Uh, you could argue that no player was more valuable to that Coastal defense last year than JT Killen. Kane, they're going to need him, though, to be the same player again in Craig Niver's defense this season. They definitely will. And I think when you look at JT, he obviously had a great season last year. And I think the difference between him and some of the guys that are ahead of him is that they've kind of proven year after year and in past years that they can maintain that clip. I mean, this is a guy that had 19 tackles in 2021, 10 the year before that and eight before that. He burst onto the scene most definitely this year with his 95 tackle season, but very curious to see if he can build on that moving forward. You talked about it. This is a second team all-conference guy from Phil Steele and a third team all-conference guy from the conference. And I think when you look at him, he kind of had to wait his turn behind guys like a Silas Kelly, like a Teddy Gallagher, have who have kind of occupied that inside linebacker spot at Coastal for many years. And now the torch has kind of been passed on to JT, and he's definitely capitalized, especially with him leading the team in tackles and being all over the place. And I think he might need to get a little bit better in his pass coverage, get more of a knack of getting his hands on footballs. I think that's really the only area of improvement we could see him kind of jump on top of but I think as far as everything else goes his energy his effort his pursuit of the football he was definitely super consistent in this coastal defense that wasn't very consistent last year he was definitely one of those brighter spots as far as when you're watching the game when you're watching them break down and have struggles you're not really seeing it out of that linebacker position and you're not you're definitely not seeing it out of JT Killen so I think he has a ton of experience on the special teams and last year was kind of his full first season as a starter so it's kind of rare for a veteran player on defense to not have all those licks and bumps and bruises. But this is a guy now who's a veteran who's 
I'm expecting big things out of this year coming into that second year with a new level of confidence entering this season as a second year as a starter. I think this coastal defense needs to improve last season. They want to stay on top. And I think that start and ends with JT Killen anchoring that defense. Yeah, all I was thinking that whole time, Caden, is let's be honest, that entire coastal defense, they all need to get better in pass protection. They were horrible last year. Uh, Craig Niver and company certainly going to hope to change that. We've talked about, we've done our rankings on the offensive side of the football. Coastal will be loaded on that side of the ball. Defense is going to be something that we're paying attention to early on in the season. Uh, let's move on to number eight, Caden. And here we've got another Georgia State linebacker checking in, a player that uh, played in just three games last year before suffering his season-ending injury. This is Blake Carroll. Uh, he was a force, though, in the first two weeks of the season, got injured in week three. Those first two weeks, Caden, here were the combined stats. 18 tackles, two TFLs against none other than North Carolina and South Carolina, two teams that played in bowl games last year. Uh, he was a two-time All-Sun Belt player prior to the injury and had led Georgia State with 11.5 TFLs back in 2021. Also had 5.5 sacks that season, which were second on Georgia State. Uh, Ken, Georgia State, uh, when you look at 2021, they were the second-best team against the Rush back then. Uh, with Carroll out this year, they dropped all the way to 11th. They need Carroll and Venzial to once again be one of the more tantalizing linebacking duos if they aspire to get back to a bowl game in 2023. Yeah, you touched on it. I mean, Blake is extremely productive and dominant throughout his career. I mean, anyone who disagrees with someone being on this list and like given the resume and what he did last season and stuff like that, I mean, just point me to another two-time all Sunbelt linebacker that has over 200 career tackles, 22 tackles for loss, and nine sacks. I mean, Blake Carroll... His resume speaks for itself, and he's done his thing in the past. And even in his three games, like you mentioned, heading into the season before he got hurt, he proved that it looked like he was going to have another dominant season and maybe even his best yet. So we're kind of banking on him doing that this year, coming for his sixth season, trying to get revenge on that injury he had last year. Very excited for him. And you talked about it. This defense wasn't the same without him. Him and Jordan might be a great duo, maybe a, a linebacker duo that can compete with some of the others we've talked about previously on this episode. But I think He's proven in the last couple of years when he's healthy, he's one of the best linebackers in the conference. He's an absolutely huge guy who just sheds blocks with ease and has that game-wrecking ability around the line of scrimmage. John Trey Hunter, I want to give a shout-out to him. He did a great job this season in Blake Carroll's absence. So I'm curious to see as far as they go with him, Jordan, and Blake kind of playing together because they definitely have three linebackers that are capable guys. So there might be an interesting tandem or combination that they may be able to do. But his resume speaks for itself, and I plan on Blake having an extremely great impact heading into this season. And he's also a guy who attended my high school, Mountain View High School. Shout out my guy from Georgia. So big things for Blake, always rooting for Blake and hoping this season he can make an impact and have a, a strong impact on that Georgia State culture and the Georgia football culture as a whole. Hey, you got to get that shout out in those uh, those Georgia football players. We know how you feel about them, Caden. And I did want to make a comment, too, that if uh, if any of our listeners are upset with any of these rankings, these ones were from Caden. My mentions have been <laughs> flooded by angry Marshall fans today. Uh, and so if you need to flood someone else's mentions, feel free to uh, flood Caden Smith's mentions in the weeks ahead. Uh, Caden, number nine here, and we'll move through these last two pretty quickly here. But at number nine, we've got Hayes Maples, who... Uh, is a player that maybe Sunbelt fans aren't super familiar with because he missed last season after picking up an injury during summer workouts that kept him out all of last year. But Phil Steele has him as a third-team linebacker heading into 2023. And, Kane, if you look back to 2021, he was second with 60 tackles, also had four-and-a-half TFLs and one-and-a-half sacks for Southern Miss. Uh, Southern Miss is losing a lot of players at the linebacking role this year. Santrell Latham is gone. Dalen Gill is gone. 
Uh, that duo combined for 170 tackles, 19 and a half TFLs, and eight and a half sacks in 22. Caden, there's a lot of production gone on that Southern Miss defense heading into 2023, and Hayes Maples feels to me like the X factor for Southern Miss. Their hopes of repeating their success from last year might be tied to his success in the middle of that defense. Yeah, I have to give a shout out to you on this one because this was definitely a blind spot on the first draft of my list just because Hayes wasn't in the conference. He was hurt last season. But when I did my research and looked up some of the stuff about this guy, he's definitely a great player and a guy that I'm very excited for in this season. And I wouldn't be surprised if he shot up these rankings and this list might look dumb by the end of the year because Hayes Maples is the second or third or first if he, God forbid, beats out Jason Henderson in the tackles list because I think this guy is going to come back super motivated with a chip on his shoulder after missing last season and kind of watching that nasty bunch of defense thrive without him. But you talked about it. He was extremely productive in 2021. He has the size, the speed, the athleticism that you want at the position. He's also great in zone coverage and just extremely great at pursuing the football per a lot of these people on this list, but you talked about it. This nasty bunch defense was very nasty without him last season, but their two leading tacklers were at those linebacker spots and they are gone now with Santra Latham and Dalen Gill. So we're projecting that Maples will be able to fill right in, match that production and maybe even take it to another level. I expect this defense to be good again. And I expect Hayes to be a big reason why. And I would not be surprised if he jumped up higher in this list, just coming off the injury and never playing in the conference and stuff like that. He had to be a little bit lower, but really going to have my eye out for Hayes Maples this year for sure on that defense. Did you hear that, Southern Miss fans? Contrary to popular belief, Noah Freire is a fan of multiple players on that Southern Miss football roster here. So had to get him on this list. I think that's a great spot for him at number nine. Caden, at number 10 here, we've got James Miller, the linebacker out of South Alabama. He made a lot of noise in his first year at South Alabama in 2022 after transferring over from Indiana. Finished the season with 68 tackles, five and a half TFLs, and two and a half sacks. He recorded five or more tackles in seven of his 13 games a season ago. And he was top three with 68 tackles and finished in the top five in sacks and TFLs uh, for that South Alabama defense. He was a huge member of that linebacking core that helped South Alabama finish in the top five in rushing yards allowed per game, as well as total yards allowed. And Kane was CJ Rias gone and no longer with the program. Expect to see James Miller continue to step up for South Alabama. Yeah, we definitely had to sneak a South Alabama player here on this defense. It's kind of just a, a shout out to how good their defense was. But Devin Voison actually led this team in tackles last year, and it kind of knocked some of their linebacker production in numbers. But James Miller and his inside linebacker counterpart, Trey Kaiser, are some special impactful players on the defense. And I want to give a shout out to Trey Kaiser because I was back and forth between having him or Miller on this list. But Trey just kind of got the upper hand on me. I love the story that, or sorry, James got the upper hand on me. Trey has a great story though, coming up from the Juco round, being a special teams contributor and then kind of being a bona fide starter this year and ranking second on the team with 76 tackles. He's a big reason why James Miller was so productive. But when you watch James Miller, he just pops off a little bit slightly more to me when you just look at the eye test. He was obviously a highly touted recruit before, who was at Indiana before coming to South Alabama. And he's just an extremely emotional leader when you watch him play. He plays with his heart on his sleeve. He plays with a passion. And he plays without gloves, which is always super scary at that linebacker position. But he's 6'1", 230. He's great at generating pressure as a blitzer. And he's almost... He's one of those guys where when the ball runs away from him, he almost looks more effective. A lot of teams will try to run stretch run or some of these long kind of drawn out run schemes away from him. And he just gets on his horse, pursues the football and almost all the time meets the the running back right at the line of scrimmage. So he's a super tough guy to stop. He has 
five and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks last season, a ton of quarterback pressures. He has a sweet interception that got called back that he caught on a low pass. But this guy's a, a baller. I think he's going to really be able to come into his own on this defense this year. This defense is very good, and a lot of their strength is in that secondary. So like I kind of projected before when talking about Mr. Sheriff down there in South Alabama, I think that's going to help their defense a lot. And I expect this guy to take another leap next year, whether it's him or um, Trey Kaiser, one of these linebackers I think is going to pop next year, and I would just guess more it would be Miller just best on his game and play style. Yeah, a lot of great linebackers in that South Alabama. One quick note, there was actually Jaden Voison who led the team uh, with tackles. Easy to confuse him and his brother Devin there <laughs> um, for South Alabama. But, Caden, uh, you know, we picked 10 here, but there was certainly more uh, that we could have. Who were some guys maybe that you have your eye on that could sneak into this top 10 during the season? Yeah, I mentioned Trey Kaiser. He was the guy who was really made close to making this list. Um, I think Shane Bruce at Coastal Carolina is going to have a great year next year. He was close to making it. Casey Osai, I think those are two guys who showed a little bit in some great production last year and will probably take a step next year, just not as promising as some of the guys who kind of have it on their resume. Kadri Jackson's a great linebacker, Georgia Southern as well, who had a ton of tackles, hoping that he can improve on his season. That defense as a whole, like I mentioned before, can continue to get better. And then Avery Hobb is at Southern Miss too. I think he's going to be a guy who will be next to Hayes Maples, most likely getting a ton of tackles too. So a lot of those guys are on some great teams and some great defenses. And I think it's going to be hard to get tackles. It's going to be hard to get stats on a lot of these Sunbelt defenses because they're very strong units. So excited about defense overall in this concert, in this conference, but very specifically excited about this linebacker group as well. Even some of these honorable mentions. Okay, and looking at this list, this is the first list that we have ever done in podcast history that an App State Mountaineer did not appear on. Are you not high on their linebacking core heading into 2023? <laughs> oh, man, you put the pressure on me bad with that one. I think Andrew Parker is their only guy that they have coming back. They lost a lot of talent. They lose Trey Cobb. They, use a Nick, they lose Nick Hampton. They use, lose Jalen McLeod. They lost a ton of linebackers last year, and I think a ton of guys are going to have to step up. Andrew Parker is a great player in the middle for them. He was last year. Didn't have his ton of ton of tackles and a ton of production nick ross ended up leading that tackle that unit in tackles at the safety position so i think that linebacking unit isn't as strong as it used to be but app state's very used to kind of re-upping at positions there's a lot of young guys i've been hearing about that are supposed to be good talents and players that we saw just a little taste of last year but they'll be thrown into a bigger role and i'm definitely gonna have to see them in that bigger role before putting any of them on this list so had to give a nod to the guys and i think that clearly shows that i'm not as biased to app state as some people may think on twitter or elsewhere Hey, that's, that's fair. That's what we're always looking to do here. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Thanks for continuing to support the show throughout the offseason. Kane, I was looking at the calendar. We're just two months away from the kickoff of the 2023 season, uh, and we're excited to continue interacting with you throughout the rest of the offseason. Again, here's a quick reminder about our mailbag. If you have Sunbelt football-related questions, send them our way by emailing Smith at gmail.com in the coming weeks. We'd really love to hear from you. Before you go, though, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Frary and Smith podcast on Wednesday, July 5th. Caden and I will welcome Louisiana Athletic Director Brian Maggard uh, to the Frary and Smith podcast for the final episode in our Decision Maker series. I'm looking forward to that one. Well, that'll do it for us here at the Frary and Smith podcast. As always, if you like today's episode, take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us and the show out. We're going to continue to bring you some great content throughout the remainder of the offseason. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. Thanks for joining us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.